Hello and welcome to the Tech in the Hood podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Flex Omar. Tech in the Hood is a storytelling podcast that explores the past, present, and future of Chicago's cultural identity through conversations about community and technology. When I came to the U.S. as a refugee in 2000, my story began in Chicago. I built a career in tech, starting on the West Side, which has evolved through experience in finance, social enterprise, and the non-for-profit sector. Along the way, I've learned important lessons about diversity, access, community, and the tenacity and ingenuity of the human spirit. Each week, I reconnect with the friends and mentors who have shared this journey and spotlight new voices and innovators building the future of the tech in the hood. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, today I have a very special guest uh, with me, my dear friend Martina Matthews. She's a veteran of Silicon Valley and the startup queen of Chicago. How about that for an introduction? Thanks, Flags. <laughs> You're too sweet. <laughs> well, first question, how did we meet? You know, I was just thinking about this <laughs> earlier this morning, and I can't believe we are going back to 2005. Wow. So it's been a minute. So we do the math. That's almost two decades. Mm -hmm. So incredible. we've almost grown up together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the best part is we randomly met. Our journeys cross path, not related mm -hmm. to tech, was yeah. more in hospitality industry. Yeah. Um, and I was doing accounting at the time because I went to Loyola for accounting and so I was working for a CPA uh, firm. And at the time you were doing your master's. That's right. right. Oh, my gosh. We were so young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so wrapping up my master's and you were starting to really explore entrepreneurship and you started a hospitality event company in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. event planning mm -hmm. and we started to collab is probably the simplest way to put it yeah absolutely i mean it was an interesting time because it was like facebook just came on the scene web 2.0 you know i mean it was the kind of like the explosion of this whole new um social 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 media mm -hmm. so i mean myspace was still kind of relevant it was definitely relevant at the time we're really aging ourselves <laughs> so um yeah but yeah. actually but it taught people how to code <laughs> it, mean, did. it did it did it did you had to know some basic html to work myspace but actually we should probably give some credit to facebook because that yeah. is actually how we met initially that's right and that's then right. we met in person mm -hmm. and very quickly we just hit it off and i think we've always had the entrepreneurship vibe yeah. The tech, the love for tech, and then the love for Chicago. Abs Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you a Chicago native? Yes. Born and raised South Side. South Side. Mm -hmm. I love it. And then at the time when we met, you were um, starting with a new company. You're on the founding team. I mean, company's name is Chegg. You know? Yes. So... Can you tell us a little bit about that period and like even where did the inspiration come for uh, the company? Yeah. So I actually met um, a team of people that were already working on, we'll call it Chegg 1.0. Yeah. And um, I, I was definitely hustling at the time to pay off some credit card debt from college and started out with data entry. 
with this team of people. And in getting to know them a bit more, they were building out Chegg 1.0, and I became more and more involved with their marketing, their promotions, and eventually their business ops, and just fell right into the startup scene. Just jumped yeah. two feet, heads first, everything moved out to the Bay Area. I mean, I was just all in. Um, Chegg 1.0 was not the biggest hit. It wasn't the win. Um, yeah. So at the time, there was a team. What was the MVP? I mean, was it like a yeah, website the- where people just ordered books. I mean, this is before you even integrated, you know, uh, social media into a website, right? Yes. So the ultra MVP was actually a closed network student classifieds. Mm. So it was only for college students. You had to register with your student email address, and then you had access to see classifieds from other students. Um, So we were hoping that we would see a lot of traffic and we could get going with ads and it would all take off. And it just wasn't taking off like we thought it would. Mm-hmm. So we were running out of money, as you will hear with many startups. And it was just about putting our heads together and figuring out, okay, what's next? What do we do? We, we have to pivot. And we took a close look at what was going on with Chegg 1.0 and we're mm-hmm. like, okay, where is the traffic? What's happening? Where are people engaging? And it was all around finding textbooks for a cheaper price than the bookstore. So we just doubled down, um, made an MVP website to offer textbook rentals. And we offered every possible textbook out there We didn't own one textbook, and we also had no idea where we would get it if Mm -hmm. this took off. Um, We just went with it. We just went with the flow. Um, But the demand was there, right? The demand was there. We we threw up the website, lightning speed, and I remember when we had our first order come Mm. in, like all 10 of us (laughs) (laughs) were jumping up and down in the office like, Oh my gosh, they believe in us. They put their credit card number in. Like that's the ultimate proof for e-commerce. Like, wow, somebody actually placed an order. Sure. So the first couple days, weeks, we had maybe five or six orders a day. And we thought like, wow, we're doing it. Um, And then honestly, it just spread like wildfire. Like students were telling other students and other, just their Uh, classes. like Classic marketing, word of mouth, huh? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like you can get this $150 book for 20 bucks off this website. And it was just all of a sudden orders were coming in left and right. And we really had to um, brace ourselves for that first season and just deliver. So when Facebook was starting, they limited kind of like who can use it. Right. So they started with, for example, Harvard and then Ivy League, you know, schools and then grew uh, from there, did you guys have a similar uh, strategy, or it was no? We just threw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you're getting de- orders from everywhere. From everywhere, yeah. and um, we had no processes in place. Again, no books, no warehouse, none of that existed. Um, yeah. The way that we executed was we pulled out our personal credit cards, and we went to a various w- websites. Yep, ordered the textbooks, maxed out our credit cards, um, and sent people books. All of our credit cards not only were maxed out, we were constantly shut down for fraud because we're sending 
books everywhere, but mm-hmm. none of them were our actual billing address. So it just didn't make sense, right? Yeah. Um, but we got the books to students. They were super happy. We were like, this is great. We did it. We survived MVP yeah. like that first semester um, and had a ton of learnings to then bring to and the And you were all semester. in Chicago at the time, right? Initially, yeah. yeah. So the team was actually split between the Bay Area, okay. Chicago, mm-hmm. and New York. Got it. When we started having traction, the mm-hmm. plan was let's all get to the Bay Area. Sure. So. And what year was that? Gosh, 2007, Seven. 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now you are away from home. You're in... Uh, Palo Alto, like San Jose. What's yes, near near San Jose. So I was in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I um, I had just gotten engaged in Chicago, yeah. and about within that same month, I was asked to move to California. So I had two yeses in one <laughs> month. Um, though I did learn that something like moving across the country is something you should speak to your fiance. <laughs> about before you say yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I went, he stayed here. So it ended up being a five year journey in the Bay Area where Chegg was my life. Yeah, I mean, that's all you did. And so how was the scene over there? Because that was a time when companies were being born, you know, left and right. Yeah, and I think you mentioned on one of your earlier podcasts or one of your guests had mentioned, um, like, are they going to see my idea on a napkin and are they going to steal my idea? It was very much that type of culture from my perspective in Mm -hmm. the Bay Area. I mean, even when we were talking in Starbucks, people were like, shh, don't talk too loud. They're going to hear you. They're going to build that. They're going to steal your idea. So I started paying attention, and there was all these little whisper conversations happening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was great. The energy at the time was absolutely startup, grind, hustle, mm-hmm. all in. Um, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. No, Chase I, it. Abs- abs- absolutely. And you – created um kind of like you created your own department right then um within within chag and you know now people talk about it specifically in the tech world you know like customer success and so Mm -hmm. on yeah did that exist at the time or so i think at the time it was a very traditional concept of customer support so you have your customer support function um my background prior to chag was not customer support at all so my bachelor's was computer science. I had an MBA with focus on marketing. I had no idea I would end up anything to do with working directly with the customers um, at the time. And I love every single founding team member of Chegg. Um, I think it was necessary to just take the customers myself. And I think that they were also very grateful mm-hmm. that I was happy to take the customers on um, because you had to listen to each and every customer at that time. You had to give them the ultimate white glove service. So you yeah. kept them and you could learn what worked in their experience, what didn't work, and then take it back to engineering and product and say, how do we actually work this into the experience? Like, how do we set this up so we can repeat this same experience and scale successfully? So it all ended up, my educational background, plus being able to work with the customers, it all came together 
and is is what now is known more commonly as customer success or voice of the customer, you know, bringing it back into the business, advocating for the customer, being their champion within the business. Yeah, absolutely. Because we were, again, do, uh, doing this whole shift because of Web 2.0, right? And uh, Amazon championed this where um, the customer was getting more and more uh, p- power. So those uh, reviews, you know, matters. The feedback, mm-hmm. um, you know, matters. So that's a really in- important role. I mean, even moving uh, forward. And we'll get to kind of like AI and <laughs> chatbots and all that a little bit mm-hmm. um, uh, later. But I want to focus more on your uh, journey right now. So did computer science for your uh, bachelor's, did you always want to go into no Mm-mm. tech computer science <laughs> like how did that how did that happen it's such a basic answer but it is what it is um i really didn't know what i wanted my major to be in yeah. college i ended up getting an engineering scholarship so in speaking with my dad it was as simple as okay you're gonna yeah. major in computer science okay Okay, sounds good. And I just went with it. About a year in, I was like, Dad, I don't love this. <laughs> um, I don't think it's a perfect fit for my personality. Yeah. And his response was, okay, well, you're locked in. Okay. Wrap it up for your bachelor's. And then if you're going to pivot, pivot for your master's. So I am glad that I stuck with it. I think there was a ton. Sure. I was just taught on analytical thinking and problem solving. Yeah. So I definitely love that component of it but I don't think that that would have been the perfect fit for me you know it's interesting I was a computer science major too see this is why we're (laughs) so fam bam (laughs) in the big in the in the big in the beginning but then um while I was working on the west side with uh NTG Bashir Muhammad west side authority all that um I learned a lot on the field that I realized that I can't get that experience mm-hmm. in, in, in school. So school's expensive to begin with. And I yes. was transferring to Loyola. I was like, I want to go to business um, school because I was, you know, at the time what they call them, fresh off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what all this capitalism stuff is. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of learn, you know, the business world. Um, and I picked accounting because it was the hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, major um, out there, but it was great. You know, if you did the math, most mm-hmm. of the uh, students at the time were going for marketing or, you know, a lot of finance, you know, but not a, not accounting. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get it, get a nice uh, g- uh, gig. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, if I, if I ever talked to my dad, he probably would have been like, yeah, you should uh, stick with, uh, stick with computer science or <laughs> what you were doing, you know, so, but I was able to pivot. And when I told one of my uncles that I started working in accounting, see, accounting is different back um, in the East. And, you know, here you, you join like large advisory, you know, firms, accountants mm-hmm. are consultants, you know, so it's a big, it's a big, it's a bit, it's a big deal, you yeah. know, so it's same level when people are looking at, you know, mm-hmm. investment bankers or people that work in, you know, finance, right? Especially if you're working for those top companies. But in the eyes of my uncle, it's like, why didn't you do finance? <laughs> you're just an, you're just an accountant, you oh. know? So and I was like, um, I will prove it to you one day that it was, you know, the right you yeah. know, choice, but, you know, accounting is the language of business mm-hmm. and all those, uh, 
people that work in finance, they have to uh, use the documents that accountants, you know, prepare mm -hmm. to make, you know, decisions, projections, you know, right, whatever, right. whatever it is. So that was really cool early on, you know, to learn that. But I only lasted a couple of years because, again, it didn't fit uh, my personality, mm -hmm. but the learning curve was Inc inc incredible yeah. it was almost like getting an mba especially when uh the year that i worked for deloitte resources are just incredible so um learned uh learned uh, learned a lot and then so going back to your story well, would you if you could go back in time would yeah. you change your educational path in any way or do you feel like Knowing what I know now, uh oh, here we go. <laughs> no, no, I have no, I have no regrets because I've always had this philosophy of just, you know, um, adding more skills uh, yep. to my to, to my toolbox, and then mm -hmm. being able. I mean, that's in the name, right? Being flex, being flexible. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but now, yeah. yeah, now everyone's talking about flex this, flex economy, flex space, flex. It. So, see, so well, you're that, the original. That, so. Yeah, there you go. I'm the OG. So you're that the OG. that that bet. That bet worked, and it's great SEO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's there yeah. on Google. The meta, the uh, metadata certified. You know, so perfect. Um, but no, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't change anything because you know I've worked in the hospitality. I've worked mm -hmm. in IT. I've worked in non non for profit. You know, so yep. all these skills are great because um, I've always wanted to be a business owner. I've always wanted mm -hmm. to be a startup. You know, founder, and when you're that you're doing all the work. And so it's really great to have all these, you know, different skills because then you're working in different uh, departments. So if, some, if something uh, or if somebody quits or something is not working, I'm able to like pick up, you know, whatever, uh, whatever that's happening. So that, that was a, that was a big, you know, bonus. So I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have any regrets, but I mean, if I, uh, if I'm a college student, you know, right now, it would definitely be tough because there's just, there's no uh, path that's designed before it was like, you got to mm -hmm. climb this, you know, ladder, you become an associate, you become a senior associate, you become a right. manager. Right. Now it's everything is like gig economy, this. Right. It's so fast. It's changing so fast. It's changing so fast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like after the pandemic, everything is on you know steroids people are like what's next mm -hmm. chat chat gpt is now in the conversation and all i see on linkedin is like well are these tools going to replace you know jobs and so on mm -hmm. so we're transitioning again yep. to a new to a new internet which for me it's uh uh, fas uh fascinating and i think there's going to be a lot of new jobs that are going to be uh created yeah. uh, by that I agree. I think LinkedIn is an interesting feed right now. I do feel like it's heavy on the chat GBT and then heavy on the tech layoffs that are happening mm -hmm. and just everything going on. There is a lot of fear right now. People don't feel secure in their mm -hmm. roles. And then you layer in new technology. Now everything is just rocking. Like people yeah. are feeling unsettled. But I think your educational path, like I wouldn't change any of my educational path either. I think it's about understanding your skill set, mm -hmm. being able to self-teach, not being afraid to go out and see what resources are out there, joining the webinars, taking the courses, getting the certifications, um, taking advantage of the free resources that are out there too, because yeah. I know a lot of the certifications are can be pricey. 
but just going out there and and learning and exposing yourself to what's going on and there's going to be more opportunities coming like this the new technology is going to rock it a little bit but there's going to be new roles that evolve from this so you just adapt yeah i mean uh 2005 didn't you know, there are jobs like social media strategists. Oh, or my gosh. Do you remember easy. how we would hype anything up in 2005? I'm so embarrassed to say this. I mean, we were printing out. This is for the event planning company and for and for Chegg. Okay, what, we kind were, of fo- what kind of phone did you we have? Were, oh, my gosh. I mean, I had the pink razor yeah. <laughs> flip phone. Um, but, I mean, there was no camera on and it at that time. This was before smartphones. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I that, know. The smartest phone was a BlackBerry. Shh. um no but we were people were printing out flyers yeah like that's how you did it and you were tucking it into like traditional under car wipers (laughs) i mean for chegg we were taking sidewalk chalk and drawing go to chegg.com on the sidewalks oh that's old school yeah we were just leaving like boxes of t-shirts like in the dorms or boxes of random frisbees like (laughs) In a field on campus. Um, Talk about guerrilla marketing. I know, yeah. Because with social media, it just wasn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, right. So now, right, how many jobs have evolved from mastering social media? So many. So many. And and social media itself is going to be evolving. I'm predicting the next social media is basically uh, the metaverse. There it is. Flex's prediction. Yep. And we are um, March 2023. <laughs> soon, soon, soon. I think uh, people are just taking a little bit of time because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, but it's gonna it's gonna pick up quite a bit. I always pay attention to the younger generation and what the 13 year olds and the 14 year olds that are doing. I, yeah, you I have think, to. Yeah. They're on, they are on the cutting edge. They're the yeah. ones who now have access to all the technology. Mm-hmm. They have the time. Remember when we used to have unlimited time yeah. in the day? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so and a lot of these technologies start with gaming. You know. Yes. And, there's and five year olds that are gaming and coding yeah. already and doing graphic design mm-hmm. better than I can. Like it's wild. It's just second nature. Yeah. So there are human. They're, the, they're the future humans. Humans with AI. Yeah. So, but um, you came back from uh, Silicon Valley at some point, and at that time, I believe you left Czech. So you were Czech for five years, right? Five or six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're back in Chicago. Yes. So what was next? I took some time yeah. off. So I definitely I do take time off in between every role I've ever stepped into, and I think. That's important to talk about because sometimes people are nervous to take yeah. time for well, well, self-care and mental something. wellness and just yeah. taking time to reset. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what I do for work, um, but sometimes that leads it to be probably more consuming than it should be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it took some time off. Um, a few months, traveled and just hung out with family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then I joined actually... I was looking specifically for what startups were around in Chicago. So I was on the hunt for another startup. I ended up joining a late stage startup, SitterCity.com, and kind of kicked off my Chicago journey at that point, professional journey. Tell us about Sitter City. What would you like to know? (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, um, it is a unique platform 
in its in itself, right? And then um, you joined as a VP of uh, customer. Uh, yeah, customer experience. Mm-hmm. Customer, a customer, a customer experience. Mm-hmm. And you also came at a time when um, Chicago was just kind of like building its, you know, tech, yeah. tech, uh, tech scene. So I'm curious, like, where where did Sitter City fit in, you know, to all of that? And for people that have no idea what Sitter City is, mm-hmm. and, you know. Well, Sitter City, well, at the time, you know, it was a platform that was focused on um, really the gig economy for caregivers. So mm-hmm. whether it was for pet care, child care, or even senior care. Um, so it was it was interesting. There was a trust and safety component to it. Um, they were a later stage startup, so they had already been live for, oh, I don't want to misquote this, but let's say a handful of years before I joined. But they were still figuring out their processes. Like they still had hiccups. Mm-hmm. They were still looking to grow. Um, and at the time, the link between what the customers were saying and that information coming back into the business mm-hmm. wasn't there. So there was a huge gap um, that we were able to to resolve and just, yeah, bring the voice of the customer back into the business. And as soon as we did that, product and engineering just, they were they were able to improve the experience. We we made the platform just a safer place for both caregivers and families to be making smart decisions to mm-hmm. protect themselves. I mean, both with any type of online fraud that can happen in these types of marketplaces. Yeah. And then also, you know, keeping yourself safe if you are going to apply for, for a gig that maybe you, you don't know anything about. Sure. So it was just an interesting, it was an interesting um, problem to solve. And it was anything that involves trust and safety mm-hmm. of humans or pets is always like you don't want to mess up. <laughs> you want to make sure yeah. you're not leaving any stone unturned. So it was a little bit the the customer contacts were a little bit different than, you know, where's my textbook? Right. So, I mean, these are people's uh, family members and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, pets are family members, you know, too. Yep. So super super um important and then um did you move into another role within the company after a while or did you um leave the company and then join another company or what did you do at the time so i stepped into vp of customer success so this is now customer success started becoming kind of a trendy title Mm -hmm. or people started to see okay this is how we can make customer support more powerful it's not just about managing contacts and filling seats in a contact center like yeah. it's bigger and than just, that or there's just so responding much to inquiries because you're building relationships right you're building your, relationships your customer yeah and right and bringing an understanding back into the business of what's going on so once you start to make things right now you're increasing customer satisfaction yeah. customer loyalty social media right is continuing to pick up now so now yeah. people are talking about people this are holding you on facebook account- accountable on facebook Yep. And Twitter and mm-hmm. all that. I think it was uh, Bezos that Jeff Bezos that coined the term uh, customer centricity. Yep. Anyways. Yeah, it's you need it. You yeah. absolutely need it, especially. I mean, for all companies, yes, but mm-hmm. especially for a, like a subscription service. Yeah. You need to stay in touch with your customers. You have to know how they're feeling about the relationship. You have to understand the journey. How long, you know, are you going to have them for, and what mm-hmm. do they need to have? a great experience yeah. and is there an opportunity to extend 
the journey. Yeah. You have to stay in touch with the customers. I don't think at that time you had Salesforce, right? Or do you even use, do you guys use Salesforce? We weren't, we weren't using <laughs> it, yeah, at that time. Mm -mm. But we were doing focus groups and user interviews mm -hmm. just in addition to handling contacts. So we were learning quite a bit from there. Yeah. We were focusing on trust and marketplace with a few other, um, trust and safety with a few other similar companies. So we were really trying to come together just to focus on how do we, how do we improve this? How do yeah. we, how do we get people to feel safe? How do we help them have a safer experience? Absolutely. And then earlier when we were uh, talking off camera, <laughs> talked about, you know, being a mentor and uh, coaching mm -hmm. uh, folks, right? Yeah. And they're maybe getting into the startup world for the first time, getting into tackling. So what are you, what are you, what are you seeing? Like what, ins what insights can you share? Yeah. I think with Chegg being my first professional experience, I didn't know anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was put into an executive position. So I had a seat at the leadership table and we all, we all had to figure it out. Um, and going into Sitter City, my team was mostly folks that were recent college grads. They're all like early 20s. And each one of them said, well, I just got this job to be my first real job mm -hmm. out of college. Like, I just need a real company <laughs> on my resume to get started. But I have no interest in staying in customer support. And it was interesting because, okay, well, what do you want to do? And they're yeah. like, well, I don't know. I have a degree in marketing. I'm like, okay, great. Well, what do you want to do in marketing? I don't know. Okay, well, what do you know about marketing roles? I'm not sure. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, here's the thing. You can use this opportunity to really see what's going on around you in the office. There's so many roles just in the office that talk to people, understand what their day-to-day -day is like, mm -hmm. see what your interests are, do any of them line up, and then you can have the opportunity to research those jobs more mm -hmm. specifically. Or if those folks that you're kind of inspired by within the company have additional certifications or they are joining webinars, do that, go for that, and keep going. Um, what I really love to see is internal mobility. So once you start having folks coming out of the customer support department, moving into marketing, product, engineering, yeah. they're all success stories from within. So now people are like beating down the door to join your customer support team. Mm -hmm. And now they're joining because the company now has, again, reputation so you have now all of the company reputations going online where they're saying, wow, you can actually join here and you will be mentored and coached and they will help you grow. So that is probably the most fulfilling part of yeah. my career is seeing that happen. Absolutely. And it's great when you're hiring internally, right? And then you're also hiring people that have people skills, which is mm -hmm. soft skills, uh, matter in the in the in the work in the workplace you know so um being in the startup world for a while now um a what, while yes. yeah <laughs> almost 20 years <laughs> <laughs> what 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 common mistakes do you see like people make when they're um starting their uh, companies or their startups i think 
it's just important for people to look at the data and not and not fight it. So especially if you're building the product or you're building out a new feature, yeah. test it out as best as you can. Like don't sure. go all in, get an MVP going and then get the feedback yeah. from the customers, either actual customers or get user interviews going, see what's going on, um, get feedback from within the company yeah. outside of the normal group, like talk to customer support reps, talk to the marketing team, like get all of the perspectives so you can build something yeah. with the best, most comprehensive thought process you can. Um, and just don't be afraid to iterate. Don't double down on something if yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. going, you know, just iterate, iterate a bit. Um, and then I think this is not so much a mistake, but just something to be mindful of. Like when yeah. you're building out your team, you have to have a group of people that are mm, people that you can trust and ha create a space where you can have like a healthy discussion about things. Mm. Like you want to have a safe space where everybody can share their opinion. Yeah. Things are going to get emotional in startups. It, it absolutely is going to happen. There will be tears. Voices will raise. You will hug it out. Like all these things happen. Um, but it's because everybody cares. Everybody right. wants it to move forward. So if you can have this understanding where, okay, we're all in this together. We're going to build this together. Please, everyone, share your opinion. Mm -hmm. Because if we come so up story, with... Storytelling is important, right? If you know people's past experiences, you know, with mm -hmm. them, you get to know them, you know, in a different level and i think that's important because when you start a company you're there's not too many roles such as human resources and no we did <laughs> not have human resources <laughs> at all yeah, yeah mm -hmm. so you just have to trust like no one's out to get you you just you're all trying to do this yeah. together yeah because you're on this you know boat together and everybody's rowing and everybody's got to trust each other right yeah yeah so i mean if you're if it's early early stage startup yeah. and i mean you, we can stick with with chegg i mean there were days i mean if we were in the office after 7 a.m we were late if we left the office before midnight we were leaving early so that's how mm. much time we were spending together I also moved to the Bay Area and immediately moved in with three engineers that I never met. It's fine. <laughs> um, so I go home and now I'm still talking about work. Work. Yeah. So it was just, it was my entire world. So, I mean, it's like siblings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't get along. But at the end of the day, yeah. you love them and you know that they're going to be there for you if something so you guys are growing right. together as as the company is uh, it's growing, you know. So yes, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I mean, something that you mentioned is getting the feedback right. So mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, when you start a, a business, I think it was for me, it was around two thousand and eight, maybe closer to two thousand and ten, that I discovered the lean startup methodology, and I mm -hmm. got certified in that. And the first thing in class was like, forget business school forget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait wait what yeah forget business plans mm -hmm. no and the first <laughs> thing is like you have a hypothesis go yep. test it validate uh, validate it you know yeah. what's the problem what's what's the solution you don't have 
you don't have a business if you don't have a customer, yeah. you know, and yeah. MVP. A lot of these terminologies were new to me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, right. I, and I worked at Deloitte. I worked at all these companies, but all of a sudden I'm just consuming just new um, inf- informa- uh, information. But in the Bay Area, this was normal. Normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that that really changed the way. I approached uh, building, you know, businesses, and yeah. I got it right with Mala when I started my not-for-profit uh, NGO, the Muslim American Leadership Alliance. I focused on the community and I focused on individual uh, stories, and then it just took a life on its own. You know, people just giving me uh, feedback, and I was right. pleasantly surprised, but it was so simple. Right, and I think so. You have your hypothesis. You start going out the MVP. I think the other important piece too is making sure whoever's involved if it's more than one person making sure everyone's on the same page with Mm -hmm. how are we going to measure success yeah metrics because if you don't (laughs) that is probably the one mistake i should have probably said when you're not aligned keep keep keep, now 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 (laughs) (laughs) remix um yeah no when you're when you are not on the same page just for people that don't know what a kpi is you know Right. I mean, if you're not on the same page for what you're trying yeah. to do, then it's going to, it will lead to problems. For sure. Um, and a measurement of success could be, we want, we're hoping that we send a hundred emails. We're hoping 50 of them open it. We're going to have an event yeah. and we're going to send out a thousand invites and we hope 10 people yeah. sign up. I mean, actually when it's startups, those are the numbers you're talking about. Right. I hope one person dials in. I hope I mean, one like person I said, like a lot shows of these up. were new terminologies were new to me. I didn't yep. learn them in business school, like churn rate and right. you know, funnel and right. You know, like, right. I didn't learn that either. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully the curriculum has um yeah. I'll, dr- <laughs> progressed. I'll, dr- I'll I'll drop I'll drop some links in the description for uh books and I'll put it on the website too for people that are Interested in learning about all these uh, terminologies, mm-hmm. you know, in the yep. startup, uh, startup world. But it was really interesting. It's like almost learning a new language. Mm-hmm. I uh, agree. Yeah. So uh, that that being said, um, startup world is notorious for hustle culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about earlier about wellness and well, well-being. How do you balance that when you're in the startup world? I think balance is a special word. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I think it's each person, what the right amount of time to dedicate to work is going to be different for every person, depending on what stage of life yeah. that they're in. I mean, when I was at Chegg, I was single, okay, fine, engaged, but like I wasn't married yet I didn't have any children like everything I was willing to put everything just on the back burner to focus on my professional career that was my number one priority I was 1000% sure on that Mm -hmm. and so I felt good about giving every waking minute to work um now if we fast forward to today I am married I have a six-year-old so there are other responsibilities that, okay, that's the priority. I have to get my daughter ready for school. I have to pick her up from school. We have to have dinner and bath time together. (laughs) Like those are my number ones. Like that has to happen. But at the same time, now when I'm working, okay, I still want to give every waking minute. So maybe I'm signing on in the evening hours, but because I want to. 
So my daughter goes to bed at 8 o'clock. Maybe I'm now signing back on at 8.30, and maybe I stay up until 10 or 11 or midnight because that works for me. Yeah. Um, and Do again, you think the pa- pandemic helped with giving people more flexibility because we're all working remotely? I, mean, I the do. The ones that could. I right? do. Yeah. I do. I was lucky enough that I had already started working fully remote Mm-hmm. for about two years before the pandemic. Yeah. So that was how I personally felt like I could go back into the workforce after having my daughter mm-hmm. because I wanted to balance it all. Yeah. Um, and so being able to take a 15-minute walk away from my screen to go see my one-year-old was what I needed, like to feel completely fulfilled and say, okay, now I'm going to go back and tackle whatever it is in the workday. So that, my balance ebbs and flows, my schedule ebbs and flows, um, but it has, to, it has to come down to the individual. I mean, you are also a super hustler <laughs> <laughs> as well. So, yeah. I mean, what does yeah. your day look like? How do you hustle and balance it all? I mean... Besides not sleeping. Besides, <laughs> <laughs> I, try to, I try to get, you know, the eight hours, but it doesn't work out um, all the time. But I found, uh, you know, ways to balance it. You know, it takes time because that's not really talked about in, no. in um, the business world and start, specifically the startup world. You know, most founders, you know, when you hear about their story on TechCrunch, they're giving you the PR polished version mm-hmm. you're not hearing about their adverse, breakdowns yeah, at break, home it, it, their it, spouse it, is yelling at them ex- <laughs> <laughs> you know ex- ex- uh, exactly so you're looking at these stories on TechCrunch, and you're like well i gotta be as perfect or even better than mm-hmm. them right be- in, in order for me to achieve what they have achieved but that's that becomes a toxic Mm-hmm. Um, relationship with work, you know, and now knowing what we know, and I think the pandemic um, changed it changed things. We're like, no, let's take let's take a s- step back, mm-hmm. and honestly, with the introduction of AI and where we're going, some of the stuff that we would spend hours doing on spreadsheets and and all that work, now you can just it's just tell, done. Yeah, you can just tell Microsoft Copilot. That's yeah coming out i don't know if it's out yet but i saw the uh video with uh mr nadella and yeah you just tell the co-pilot which is integrated with chat gpt can you uh create um a spreadsheet for me based on this pdf or yeah you know so on so a lot of the work that we created to keep us in the office yeah is gonna go away mm-hmm. and you know so i don't think people should really fear um, AI and what's coming, it's going to give us uh, more time. And it's, at the end of the day, you know, whatever we're selling, we're selling to other human beings. That's not right. Gonna, we're that, all human. That's, that's, that's not, it. that's not, that's not going to change. You know, yeah. people, people are, are uh, fundamentally, you know, they want somebody to blame if something doesn't, you know, go right. I mean, I still call customer uh, support. You better and- be nice to every customer support <laughs> agent you call or, or AI bot you chat with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I'm, very quick to tell the AI bot, hey, uh, I want to speak to an actual <laughs> yeah. you know, person because I know I can get a deal. You know, the, mach- <laughs> the machine has no empathy. 
And machine will say, go away, flex. This is your fifth time right. Trying, right. Trying, trying this. But Right. And yeah. people are going to train them to do this. Also, like, how many times do you say no? That's also part of it. Yes. Ex- uh, exactly. So, you know, technology is just going to create more jobs. It's going to make our lives easier. easier. That's what it's supposed yeah, to right. do. So I'm just telling people that are listening to podcasts. Don't, don't don't fear AI. Yeah, don't don't fear don't fear the AI. You know it's not it's not gonna replace us. You know. So on that note, if somebody was starting a startup uh, today. You know, I mean, you're pretty di- uh, diverse, right? You know, mixed race. You know, Latina and mompreneur too. In a, in a sense, <laughs> right? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a new you know term. Like, what well, what advice would you have for somebody that's you know starting their first uh, startup? I'll say someone, someone who's never been in the startup world. Get ready for (laughs) (laughs) um, the most terrifying, amazing, stressful, um, beautifully chaotic, fulfilling journey. um, One of those, one of the journeys um, in your professional career. Sure. I mean, you have to really be able to just grab the bull by the horns and like have your vision and just lock in on it. Like you can do it. Like there's going to be hiccups. It's okay. Get your yeah. hype squad identified and on standby. And if you have a low moment, you reach out to your team members or your personal hype squad and you you get the boost you need. Mm-hmm. Um People will tell you to quit. People will tell you to give up. My dad, who obviously has the best intentions for me, told me to quit Chegg more than once. And those were probably the only times I ever told him no. (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, I had to face that, right? I had to sit down and actually think like, do I go after this? Like, I now have doubt. Can I do this? Mm -hmm. Is this a dumb idea? No, do it. If you believe in it, do it. And if this one doesn't work out, it's okay. Take those learnings and yeah. then move on to the next one. Like how many how many companies and projects have you started? Yeah, I lost count. You just you keep going, but, but it's, that's how it's I like approach in them. Us. I approach it's, I approach them as a project. I don't yeah. get, you know, emotionally attached for most uh You startup. definitely do. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, a, 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 a little, a little bit, but you know, I don't, I don't go around saying it's my baby. It's my, this, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's my, it's my company. It's my business. <laughs> it's a project. But that came about after I started Mala because my whole uh, philosophy changed. And because of all the new things that I learned with the lean startup, it's not about me. It's about the customer. Yes. You know, so if I'm not, you know, satisfying the needs of the customer, there is no business. So whatever I feel, you know, really um, doesn't matter as much as, you know, what, you know, how the customer perceives mm-hmm. uh, the brand. And then, you know, I moved into a role after working in my non-for-profit for a while, being a chief experience officer. Yeah. But that's happened because of uh, the pandemic, right? Everything mm-hmm. became uh, digital. Yes. So now I'm maintaining a national global community mm-hmm. through the internet, through, yeah. through Zoom, through some of that. So that was a new, you know, challenge. But if I didn't shift, uh, if I didn't make that shift, you know, by 
those learnings that I got, those certificates mm-hmm. from the Lean Startup uh, methodology, for example, then I would have been, you know, stuck. Yeah, but everything you've done leads you to here, and now you're doing this, plus your yeah. other projects you have going, and it's everything is leveling up. Yeah. And for as long as I've known you, you have always been about <laughs> empowering others, helping others rise. And that's that has been true in every single project that you have been part of. So imagine what's to come from you. I mean, yeah. it's just going to be everyone in your network, everyone that you've been exposed to, everyone that you know how to reach, they're going to get that. They're so lucky. Flex is awesome, guys. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I should just have you on uh, stage with me every time I uh, travel so you can just hype up the crowd. Perfect. I'll tell me. my husband I need a new pair of shoes for every show so this works. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put that in the budget and, you know, the sponsors that are I really like where listening. This, I like where this conversation is going. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm really big on manifesting things. So Yes. Yeah. So stay tuned for... Uh, season two when we're uh, on tour. Yes. Uh, but Martina, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was uh, great and you've obviously known me for a long time, you know, so it's awesome to hear from you, but also for our audience, you know, learn from you. And where would people find you if they're looking for you? Somebody that wants to be mentored by the startup queen of Chicago? <laughs> uh, you can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's going to be the best mm-hmm. space um, where I'm connecting with folks. Martina Matthews. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming in uh, today. And uh, and I hope uh, to have you again. But looks like we're going to be going on tour. So looks like it. Have to have to call um, Andrew and the team and tell them to get things in motion. Perfect. Well, thanks for having me, Flex. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tech in the Hood. It's an honor to have you along for this journey. I hope you tune in next week. Tech in the Hood is recorded in Ravenswood at the Chicago Podcast Studio. If you want to hear more, you can help by leaving an honest review of Tech in the Hood wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Tech in the Hood.